new episode of Somewhat Damaged Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Alpern, and with me as always, John B. Today, we welcome our guest, Don Jameson. You know Don from the world of stand-up comedy, hard rock and heavy metal music, and his own show, That Jameson Show. Don B. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Yourself? Can't complain. I, uh, I was on a little bit of a bender for a couple of days and then uh, had to relax. Hello, welcome <laughs> back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. You know, it's funny. I I knew you were coming on without it without sleeves. I knew it. I knew it. And I'm like, I don't have a single shirt that doesn't have sleeves. And I'm and I meant to go cut up my decade that rocked T-shirt that Weiss sent me and just cut the sleeves off. And I fucking forgot. <laughs> you are you wore the baseball sleeves today, man. You came strong. I know. La guns. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thick <laughs> shirt. Uh, what's up? Well, man? it's the summer. You know, we get you know on the yeah we we get in this area we get three months of summer, man. So I got no time for sleeves. Doesn't even feel like it though, Don. I mean, it was sixty-two degrees out yesterday, and like, like I don't know. I I was like, this is the mildest fucking summer that we've ever had. Like, I'm used I'm used to it being sweltering out there. I I, I I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not I'm not feeling it either. But it's the summer, and I'm sticking with the four sleeveless shirts I have, and I and I'm gonna milk it until if I can milk it to Halloween, I will. There's no way you only have four <laughs> sleeveless shirts. There's no way it's just four. Uh, because the last time we like, talked on one of these things, it was, I'm pretty sure, the winter time and you were sleeveless. So the summer thing doesn't jive. But I, I mean, I think your entire wardrobe must be sleeveless. Well, I, well, I definitely, it's definitely a lot of black t-shirts. Yeah. Some, many with sleeves, many with <laughs> That's how we usually start off this show is we talk about our uh, t-shirt collections. And- but my thing is, when did you start, when did you know when you had your, your, your style? Cause like I've been in the comedy scene for about six years now and I just started like two years ago, like kind of like just wearing t-shirts, like my uh, freaking hoodies and things like that. I was in corporate America for a long time where I wore were suits. Where do you kind of like figure it out? I'm 38 now, so. Yeah, and John, and when I hit 38, um, hopefully I'll figure it out too, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, like I say, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not comparing myself intelligence-wise to Einstein, but they said, you know, to keep his life simple, he basically had seven of the same exact outfit, so he would just wear the same thing every day, but just, you know, a different set of clothes, but the same exact thing, because then he could just concentrate on everything else. He could just focus on his experiments and all that stuff. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm like a simple guy. I like, I love jeans and t-shirts, you know, obviously over the years as a fan collecting concert shirts from going to tons and tons of shows. Then we start doing that metal show and bands are like, you know, mailing us boxes of shirts and at every show you go to and local bands, if you go to a local, they want you to wear the shirt on the TV. So there was a point where I had literally 600 concert shirts Holy in my house. Fuck. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the only guy who has a wardrobe rack in his house. <laughs> I was going to ask you how many shirts you have because I imagine it had to be something like that. And 
I mean, that's an insane amount of t-shirts. I, I, w- I wish I had all my shirts from when I was in high school, all the shows like through the 80s and 90s that I bought t-shirts at. And I don't, which sucks. Um, but that's, I mean, I can't imagine every, every show on that metal show that you guys must have like walked away with like a bag full of shirts. Was it a different shirt every single time on the show that you guys wore? Yeah, you know, it was, it was, you know, it became a thing with the fans because, you know, we're, you know, we're three legit fans of hard rock and heavy metal. And so, you, you know, you can't have everybody come and sit and guest on the show or be the guest musician or whatever. So wearing a band's T-shirt was also a way to, right. to throw a nod and prom- help promote a band. Sure. So, you know, I tried to do it with local bands as well that I like, you know, from New Jersey or from New York. Town Concrete, baby! <laughs> right, yeah, so we used to do it. So if we never had them on the show, we could still wear the shirt and people go, oh, cool, he likes E-Town Concrete or whoever, you know? So, yeah, yeah it, it became it became part of the, the wardrobe to because they used to give us money for wardrobe which, you know, we immediately cool. just deposited into our bank account. <laughs> <laughs> there was a period, uh, and, and, and uh, Greg, I don't think we've really talked about this. When I was, in, I, I went to Seton Hall, so uh, I was on WSOU. So we used to get fucking tons of merch from everyone, from like bands and like, uh, it was it was great. I remember I had so many Soulfly shirts at one point that I would just start wearing them to sleep. Um, and then and then I started working for drive through and then we were able to go to the drive through compound over in Sherman Oaks. And I, we, we just raided the whole warehouse. And that was my collection of shit. That's what I wore for a good, from 2003 to 2008, all band shirts and then I was like wow I'm not getting laid anymore so <laughs> I had to switch it up to J. Crew. well you listen that's uh you know yeah it's that's a survival instinct and I appreciate that but um, <laughs> most of the girls that I date you know I don't I don't mind if a girl doesn't like hard rock or metal but it makes it easier right you know sure. so the ones I date, I usually, um, like I had a date Saturday night and I just wore this black t-shirt with a skull on it and the girl showed up in a leather skirt and like ah. this tight blazer and this like, this black, like she looked stunning and I'm like, I go, I apologize. I'm just wearing, you know, I'm wearing like $35 worth of clothing on this date and you know, you could tell she took like two hours to pick the exact right outfit. Where, where, where'd you get That's the, what I'm comfortable in, John, you know what I mean? Like, I get that's it. Why, I go on stage and something I'm comfortable with, man. Because if I'm not, if I'm up there and I'm like, if I'm trying to be Seinfeld in a suit, I'm going to be like, you know. Fuck that dude, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know more about the date. So where, like, where'd you come from? Like, how'd you find her? Well, this is, so this is, um, so this is crazy. So I, I, I meet this girl at a rock show, which is great, you know, so it's already, we have something in common. But she lived like she lives actually up in Connecticut, Greg. So I didn't know what a half point would be from me from Jersey and her. But but I, and I was trying to think of a rock thing. So our our first date was at Duff's in Brooklyn. Which if you don't know Duff's, it's lit- it's a bar in Brooklyn that's it's a heavy metal bar. Like you know they have like Slayer and Cannibal Corpse and King Diamond on the jukebox in there. You know the whole place, like even the ceilings, have all this hard rock and heavy metal memorabilia and they just crank music all night and we just that's all we did man we just we put money in the jukebox we drank pbrs in a can all night 
and had the best time. So, you know, it, you, John, you can get laid in a concert shirt, I assure you. <laughs> I mean, usually with me was groupies, but I'll be honest, if we had if we had the same like social media, I mean, I would be so me too at this point. <laughs> I think it's funny that the midway point between Connecticut and Jersey and Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, I don't know. You know, I was, but I was trying to think of a rock themed thing, so it, it worked out, man. And, and man, if 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 people out there haven't been to Duff's, and Greg, if you've never been there, or John, man, you you got to get there, man. It, it's like it's literally a museum to that kind of music. And the guy, the guy that owns it, Jimmy Duff. Um, dry, he's he's the real deal, man. Like his everyday car is a hearse. Oh no! <laughs> Get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> Does it have a coffin in the back? Is it a kiss coffin? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, no, he, that's that's his everyday car, man. So I'm like, yeah, and you and you drive it to to Duff's Brooklyn, and you got to park on try to park that thing on a Saturday night. Good luck. Jeez, no, I, I have not been there. I, I have heard of it. I I should get there. We should go one night. Um, it sounds like my my kind of place, obviously. So when are you, uh, John, you know, Don's going out on tour with uh, the Dead Daisies to open the show for like a month. Holy shit, that's so cool. <laughs> what? How do you? <laughs> no, no, I didn't know this. Well, I've been opening for bands for, you know, a long time. Again, something else born out of that metal show, which is bands just started asking like me and Florentine, hey, you want to come open for us? And so I made it like a little cottage industry um, of doing that because, you know, you guys listen, you guys know your history of comedy and music. So um, when was the last time it was really cool for comics to do that? What well, was like the late 80s, you know, when yeah. Dice was opening for Guns N' Roses and you know, Innocent was on. Yeah. Yeah. And Bobcat Goldthwait opened for, I think, for Nirvana on the first U.S. tour. But then, you know, basically because of grunge, it became very uncool for the longest time. And then it didn't really fit with new metal. So, I started doing around 2010 again when, you know, rock sort of, you know, had a little bit of a of a resurgence. And, um, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. So uh, I have a whole 30-minute set that I that's just rock jokes about bands, musicians, the music, and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's not something I would do at Stand Up New York, obviously. I have <laughs> my regular nightclub act. You know, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't make, you know, Black Sabbath jokes in front of a, you know, Friday night crowd of NYU students. It doesn't really work, but... <laughs> On the Dead Daisies tour, they love it. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. I mean, he. I mean, you've had the the racket on on ban, on pussy bands. Not, you know, uh, he right. You open for Nashville Pussy, Faster Pussycat. There's got to be another band there that's got pussy in the name that you can go out on tour with. The Pussycat Girls. The Pussycat Dolls. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm available. Don's ready for that booking. The crossing of two worlds, but like. You know, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it seems like, you know, with, with, you know, the, that metal show and then going out and doing comedy in front of these, you know, metal and hard rock crowds, like, it seems like you're a part of the family, right? You know, everyone, ex you know, knows you as, as from the show and obviously from your comedy, but really part of the rock and roll community out, you know, as part of also with comedy. So like when you come on stage, typically you go see a band and people, unfortunately, are not really that into the opening band a lot of times. It's just the guys that are there to, you know, warm up the crowd and whatever. But I imagine you get like such an incredible welcome. 
from all of those crowds, whether they're big or club shows or bigger shows, like that's got to be pretty cool. And you think um, I'm right? You think I'm right? Yeah. Well, I do look. I do look at it like like I'm the opening band, you know, because I'm direct support. So oh, it's oh, like, I yeah, got really, really, bring it, you know. So sure. yeah, it's um and and it's weird, man. The, the crowds are accepting it. Yeah. So people have a general idea of who I am. Um, you know, I, they always put me in the advertising. Yep. It's like every little thing you could do to help me succeed because I'm doing something so radically different, really. Um, but um, but at the end of the day, it's it's like doing a, a bar gig when you first start out in comedy. You know, you drive to five hours to Altoona. There's no hotel room. You're you know you're playing you know some bar that the people don't even really know there's a comedy show. They won't turn the TVs off, and you just got to come out and just attack and just start pounding away at these people and get them going. And uh, if you could do that, you could go out and open for for rock band. Yeah, I mean, o- opening for you know Nashville Pussy. <laughs> It's got to be one intense, you know, show to do, you know, with those guys and what their fans expect from from their stage and from their music and just their all-out assault on people. They're, they're, they're the only band I ever toured with that carries a narco kit with them in case somebody accidentally overdoses. Right. John, you should get on that tour. That, that, that's got, that's got John's name right. all over I mean, it. I, so. I, the old Panther's probably more my speed, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying, John, I'm dying to um, tour with Steel Panther, you know? That we, we, I, I know those guys pretty well, so we've talked about it a bunch of times We just haven't been able to connect on it, but but it's almost like too much, you know, because those guys are so funny. So it's like, right. you know, I can't be more outrageous than they are on stage. So, uh, but yeah, they, they're fun guys, man. It would be good to, to go out with them. But yeah, there's, you know, there's, you got to pick the right band, you know. Right. Like, Is there something you would say no to, though, like specifically? Oh, yeah. No, I've turned a bunch of stuff down, but, but not because I didn't like the bands, just because, like, nah, this is not a good fit. Because I remember, um, Megadeth did a big tour. They called it, it was their, it was like their Ozfest. They called it Gigantor and it was Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax and Overkill and all these super heavy bands. And they had Jim MC and do comedy in between Florentine. And it's like, he's like, he goes, you can't, you can't open up for Slayer as a comedian, you know, like <laughs> bands don't even want to open for Slayer. Right. You know, he said, he, he says in his act, it was like MCing a rape. <laughs> yeah, that that there are. I mean, so like heavy like that. But what if like Opeth or like something that's a little bit more slower? I mean, would that be like? Would you? I mean, if the money was right, I mean, you would say yes. I, I again, I think the, I think it's it's not some it's not about the band because Opeth is cool, but their but their audience is their audience is not there to smile. Sure. You know. They all got off their shift over at fucking Hot Topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the T-Mobile and they're just like, yeah, we're going to do this. Right, who's this creepy old guy with the jokes? <laughs> and the, no sleeves, what's going on here? Yeah, I come, you know, I come into Stand Up New York when I'm lucky enough to play there. I put sleeves on, I'm respectful. But on, on the road with the bands... No, no, no sleeves. No sleeves necessary. <laughs> Certainly in the summer. Fuck that. Um, so when does that start? That in September. Yeah, we start September tenth in uh, in Rockford, Illinois, the home of Cheap Trick. So uh, right. it's a good good rocking city to start out in. We're covering most of the country. We'll be uh, we'll be in New York at the at so- the Sony Theater. 
um, sometime in September. And uh, yeah, we're just traveling all over the place. So it'll be, you know, you got Glenn Hughes, you know, who's a rock and roll Hall of Famer, who's in Deep Purple in that band. It's really an all-star band with Doug Aldrich from Whitesnake and, and Tommy Clefettos on drums, who played with Black Sabbath on the last tour. And, and then uh, the guy who put it all together is this guy, David Lowy from Australia, who's basically like a businessman, uh, like his day job. Um, but he's, you know, he, he wanted to be a rocker. So he used all his funds to put together this killer band. And, uh, and let's just say we're going to travel very well. Sure. <laughs> so are you like, are you guys all in the same bus? Like, how, like how's this working? Well, well, we're well, Greg, when we're not on the bus, you're on the plane. plane. <laughs> really? I didn't want to say anything. Come on. Private jet. Wow, look at you, Don Jameson, like flying around private jets. Shit. I should have got yeah, better they, they, looked Saturday at, night. they looked at this and said, we want to take him around the country on a private jet. <laughs> God damn it. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. If hey I Don, I got a question though. Is there now, a John's like John's like, how am I going to book you and stand in New York now? I can't afford the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Jersey."> <laughs> yeah. Hey Don, for fifteen minutes, you want to do to for twenty five bucks while you're yeah. fucking flying on a G six? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the beauty of me. The answer is absolutely I do. Okay, good, good. But my question is, we always hear the story that comedians always want to be rock stars and rock stars always want to be comedians. Is that the truth, though? I mean, like, listen, I, I personally don't see it a lot of times just because I guess, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a different vibe, but, you know, everyone, like, kind of pokes fun at you guys, like Don, like, uh, you and Jim, as well as Big J, maybe, like, oh, you guys just want to be rock stars, but is that the truth, though? I mean, granted, you're going on tour with these, but, like, would you give up, would you do a, would you do a, a, a stadium that's filled with, you know, 30,000 people where nobody's listening to you, or would you rather do a club of, like, you know, 25 people on a Tuesday where everybody's laughing hysterically? Well, I, I'd still rather do the 30,000 people to say I did it, but um, but, the, but the real answer, John, and I know what you're getting at is, yeah, of course, I, I always, it's never about the numbers. I'd much rather have a great crowd of 25, but no, I mean, listen, are you asking me, would you go bomb at the garden that's sold out or would you rather play 25 people? I, I, well, I'd rather bomb at the garden because at least I can <laughs> okay. play the garden, you know. <laughs> And I get it. more than twenty five bucks. You get you leave it with more than twenty five dollars. Yeah, I make at least fifty there. Yeah, it's worth the bomb. You know they got they have the budget, but no, it's listen. I, you know I do. I, so from a comedian standpoint, John, I, I, yeah, I love to be. I love the brotherhood of being out on the road with the bands. Like you said, on the tour bus, and we're going city to city, and we're taking over. All right, tomorrow we're in Kansas City. We're going to kick their ass. And there's a great brotherhood that you miss when being a comic because it's such more of a, obviously it's a more of an isolated thing. You know, we're very singular. But um, but then the good thing is I don't get any of the band drama, right? I don't get I don't this guy's wife wants him to come home from the road. This guy is, is not play. He's he's not in time. This guy's solo sucks they're they're arguing over this that and the other and i'm out of it so i get all the good of it without being in it and then a lot of times on the road i'll you know depending on the band i either come up and sing like a song at the end with the, with the singer like i'll do the encore or i'll play guitar or something 
So I get all the goodness of that without being without any of the drama because you know bands are like the real housewives of rock and roll. I mean, there's yeah. always fighting and, and shit like that going on. Um, and then as far as the other way, yeah, they, the, some of the biggest influences on me were rock guys, not even necessarily comics. Of course, I grew up loving you know Carlin, Cheech and Chong, and Pryor and all those guys. But you know, guys like David Lee Roth. Every interview he did, you're like cracking up laughing. Now you you know you have no idea what he's saying, but he's having so much fun. You start laughing, and the next thing you know, you, you know you you have tears running down your face. You know, Alice Cooper always gives funny interviews. Um, you, you know, um, who else? Pete Steele from Typo Negative was real dry and self deprecating. Um, you know, all even Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Like, you know, I used to watch his stage presence and go, yeah, that's. That's how you go out and, and like grab a crowd. Like you know, he was the master of getting out there. Just go, come on, motherfucker! Yeah, let's do this. And you know, so those guys influenced me as much, and they were all hilarious. And so they influenced me as much comedically, or maybe just more of my stage presence. Do you like all the time you spent with um, with Dice? Like, do you do you look at that as kind of like the origination of rock and roll comedy? Not not rock and roll company, I mean, like he, bringing the rock and roll like attitude to to the world, probably in the stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, Dice did it the biggest. You know, he him for Guns and Roses at the Rose Bowl, like a hundred thousand people. So, um, but yeah, Dice also just brought that. Like, he's more than just a guy standing there talking to a mic. And you ask Dice anytime, he'll tell you the same thing. He doesn't really like comics, you know. He thinks they're boring, you know, so he always wanted to add that extra element into the show. And definitely, listen, I didn't open for Dice during like the Madison Square Garden days and stuff like that. But his crowds are still Dice crowds. And, oh, yeah. you know, you had to get out and give a performance, man. I always he would always laugh because, you know, when he comes out, he he doesn't say anything for like the first two minutes. He strolls out. Yeah. Takes a cigarette out. He moves the stool a couple inches. You know, he takes a drag. Like, and it makes me mental because when they introduce me, I'm running to the mic right. as fast as I can. And I look, and he's cracking up. He's like, "Why do you run to the mic?" I go, "Because if I don't get to that mic before one of your fans yells out, you effing suck, it's over.'" <laughs> Yeah, I mean that. So yeah, that that teaches that was like you know that was comedy university with him. It's like oh, sure. get out there and get going. Yeah, I mean I can imagine like those audiences are, have got to be similar to like the Slayer audience that are they're just waiting to pummel you if if you don't yeah, grab them by the throat from the get go. Oh, I'll do that stand up New York. Somebody like won't be like walk up as fast. We go pussy. <laughs> 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 it's nice when the booker heckles you. That's heckling my own. That's always a fun time. So, like, you know, I mean, we, you know, we were together a couple of weeks ago at Jim's taping, which was awesome. Like, how do you think that whole thing went down? Like, were you happy with it? Like, had the crowd? The crowd, I mean, seemed like awesome for for that. I, I think the key is to just tell every audience that, that it's a TV taping. Yeah. <laughs> Because they were so ready to go, like, right from... I had no... You know, it was me. I went out cold. Yep. Um, and, you know, and listen, I, you know, my role was, you know, to set them up 
you know, for Jim to, sure. to film a great special. So, you know, I just wanted to go out and, and, and get to it and do my thing. And, you know, I listen, I haven't gone out like first, like in front of an ice cold crowd in a while. Uh, but I mean, they were already pre-warmed up when I got out there and dude, everything was just magic that night. But yeah, I think when you tell people it's a, like it's a taping, they get a little extra excited about it, which was good. Yeah, I mean, it seemed it like I, you know, like the first set, um, the first show, I thought went like flawlessly, and it was perfect. I'm like, wow, he got it. Like, there you go. There's your there's your hour. And then that second crowd came in for a 9:30 show, like in like so hot, like. And then I'm like, uh -oh. holy crap! Like that's it. Like that, you know. And then obviously the magic of editing will make it look all crazy. But like that was really cool to see that later crowd, like just ready to, you know kill it for you guys those are the kind of nights greg man where you just go like this is why i got into it you know they, these are the kind of this these are the kind of places these are the kind of crowds i want to be in front of because like i said man you know when you start early on man you're not playing comedy clubs you're playing the back room you know of a bar or or you know a hotel banquet room or whatever man you really gotta you gotta win those crowds over man so to step out on the stage and look obviously you know people that was a jameson florentine friendly crowd but still man you know to go out and to have that much love from people and to not have to work so freaking hard you know, to, to win them over, man. It just, it felt so good. I was still buzzing like the whole next day from it, man. It was just, uh, it was, yeah, that second crowd, man. It was like, they came off the party bus ready to go. Yeah. And, it, and the party bus had already left. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, to be honest, I was nervous. Truly. I was nervous because, you know, Fairfield, Connecticut, where we taped this, you know, with you guys and for Jim is, is not, you know, like necessarily that crowd, right? So I'm like, I wonder what this it's is. It's a hoity-toity crowd. What do you yeah, expect? You know? <laughs> and I and we sold, you know, obviously a lot of tickets to people to come out and see this. And I'm like, man, I hope these audiences are, you know, know what they're expecting, and they're not necessarily just coming out because it's a taping. They're coming out because it's Jim. And then when we edited you, so that like it would be a hometown friendly crowd. I was nervous. And then once I saw that first crowd like rolling, I'm like, all right, like this is good. And then the second one, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, very, my, like, friend, my friend Jane was at the second show and she said there was a, an, old, an older couple, probably like early seventies sitting in front of them who didn't, who really didn't know what was going on. And um, she said, you know, at first, when you first came out, you know, they were, they were chuckling or whatever. And then she goes, there was just a certain point where you broke them right. and they just, they both looked at each other like, oh my God, this is hysterical. And she said the rest of the night, they were just in tears, but they, weren't, they didn't know from us from anything, you know, but they got into the spirit of it. And, you know, it was hard with that crowd that, you know, that was the thing with Dice back in the day, man. It's like, if you were in the crowd for Dice and you weren't like cracking up at everything he said, like, do you feel like the people around you would like kick the shit out of you, you know? Right. Like, like, how come you're not getting into this, bro? This is dice. So, I mean, I'm not putting us, me or Jim on, on that level, but I'm just saying like that crowd was so good. Like you, you had to get caught up in the fever yeah. of it. It was just so much fun. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. I love how Greg that you get also the goosebumps and you know like uh, it's always good you know when when we work with people that kind of are still excited about I mean listen I mean 
Greg and I are not in, uh, we're, we're in the realm, but we're not you guys. Uh, going up on stage, we, uh, we just did our own uh, event, but it's great to have that feeling and talking and hearing you done being so like excited about like a good crowd and still feeling high. Like that makes, I like, I'm getting like goosebumps right now myself. Like I, it's something that you're I don't hear a lot of come. with you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to come yet. Um, show me your favorite. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is something that like, I always feel that younger comics don't hold on to. Like I've seen comics, get off their tonight show appearance and they'll come back to the club that night and watch it and just be like and just be like oh, i fucked up with that like they can't even like hang on to that high like i, I just don't understand it i mean you gotta i mean you have to appreciate everything at the at this point i yeah i, I you know i i see that too sometimes i don't know maybe it's just because I have more more experience, obviously, because I've been doing it longer, and I've been I've been I've I've had the ebbs and flows of stuff, you know. Like, I mean, some of these some of these young comics are getting like stuff way too soon before they're really ready for it, and right. so maybe they don't appreciate it that much, or you know, especially nowadays, you know, if you're 22 and you have five minutes, they'll give you anything, you know, <laughs> you know. You know, pretty much, you know, you know, of course, because now everybody's just looking for diversity and, you know, we want a female, we want a transgender and we have to have this and that. And it's, and instead of looking at who are the funniest people, they just put people on. But listen, I'm grateful for I'm always happy for comics, no matter what. I'm a comic. I'm still a fan of comedy. I think that helps if you're still a fan of comedy. So I always look at it like, hey, I want everybody to do good, man. There's enough room for all of us. But yeah, man, you know, when you go through the highs and lows of it over the years, man, you know, you, you really, you just, it makes you appreciate it. Cause, um, you know, you could kill 20 times in a row where there's always a crowd waiting around the corner to knock you down a few pegs. All right. And I'm going to ask you a kind of a loaded question here, Don. Um, what do you feel is the state of comedy right now? Is it going in the right direction or is it, uh, is it, is it losing what it is, what it's supposed to be? Well, let's see. I, well, let me look at my book and see how many uh, stand-up New York dates I have in here. <laughs> uh, I don't have any, so it kind of sucks right now. Um, I'm not working in the city as much as I'd like to, but uh, I'm, okay, I'm going to give it to you this way. Here's here's what I'm see here's what I'm seeing and sensing and feeling from the crowds post-pandemic, which is. You know, pre-pandemic, you were really, it was really, people were really starting to get tight, man. Especially, like, especially working down, like, say, down the West Village on a Friday or Saturday night, and it's 25 and under NYU college kids. Man, you really got to work hard with those crowds, man, because they are so hypersensitive. And they, I remember one, one girl got mad at me because I didn't bash Trump. Like, like they get mad at things you don't say. That's how nuts it started getting. But what I'm seeing is crowds are are really actually, even though we're more PC than ever, the crowds are more open. They're like, just say everything and anything. We don't care. We've been locked up for a year plus. Please just say whatever the dirtiest shit you have, the edgiest stuff you have. Just hit us with everything. We're, you know, we're back. We're ready for you. So I'm sure that pendulum will swing back a, a little bit again at some point when we're really, really fully like through this. But right now, I got to say the audiences have been way better than they've been in a long time. 
Yeah, that's I, I agree, actually. I mean, I've, I've seen that in the nights I've been in the city and the clubs and all the shows we do out here that it, it seems like you can sort of say anything and, you know, within reason. But well, you got to be funny about yeah, it. Yeah, of course you have to. I was going to say, but it's got to be funny. Like, it, it, it just can't be shock value. It can't be poorly done, poorly written. It, it needs to be funny. And if it's funny, then it works. And, you know, me and John talk about it all the time where, like, if people are coming to comedy clubs to look... To, and they're going to get offended by something, you're in the wrong place. Like, stay home and watch Housewives, which is yeah, probably more offensive that, to the average person. Right, and that's what they've been doing. And then they they realize in the pandemic, they go, God, this is a colossal waste of time. Yeah, Really? I, I watched the, the Tiger King for th- six months? Oh, Jesus. We got to get out of the house. So, And now that I'm, and I'm remembering the joke, because it's 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 a little bit outrageous, but the joke that broke the old people was the the joke I did about going to see the Queen cover band, and the guy sit, playing Freddie Mercury was so realistic he blew me in the dressing room. Right. The show. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, "That was the one that they they broke on, and they just they just went, all right, we're in, we're in, let's go." Let's you know, it's this. funny because I at the, I think the earlier show, yeah, the earlier show. I, I gave a ticket to a woman who I know locally. She's a, a single woman in her 70s, and she's like an aspiring comedian, right? So I met her at these open mics, right? She's 73 years old or something. And, you know, she's she's very funny for like a 73-year-old who's just getting into stand-up comedy, widow, widow, widowed. And she, the next day, sent me so many, like, that was awesome. I, I didn't know those guys. They they were, like, that was the funniest night I've had since this whole thing started. It was literally the first thing she's gone out to do socially since the lockdown started. And wow. 73 years old, had the best time. She went alone. And, you know, now she's, obviously, you guys have fans of a 73-year-old. I can give you her number. Maybe Stephanie. <laughs> um, probably has leather pants and a rock shirt. But... You know, I think it's it's true. And she, you know, when you when I've seen her act, she's as like dirty and filthy as like a 22 year old girl who thinks that that's her way into, you know, stand up. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's yeah. It's well, it's interesting, man. It's like it's funny. My last album, like there's literally maybe two dirty jokes on the whole album. And I was like, God, what happened to me? I used to have all these great dirty jokes, but um <laughs> I still have a few good ones, but, um, yeah, I mean, again, as long as it's funny, who cares? You know, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. I, whatever your style is, you know, as long as you do it well, that's all that matters. And now, you know, John, we were talking about like still having that passion for stuff. I can still think of that chick in the front row who didn't like me because I didn't bash Trump. And now I'm getting angry again about that. (laughs) That was like two and a half years ago. Still talking about that. Well, John, Greg, let's bring her out. Let's bring her out right now. <laughs> we found her. Her name. <laughs> let's bring out the 73-year-old. She's going to have a much more interesting story to tell than a 25-year-old whose daddy pays for everything. Oh. Yeah, the 73-year-old, at least we could talk like, hey, so how did you die in a nursing home during this? You know. Yeah, she, like, her name is Stephanie, <clears throat> yes, um, and she... Like when I told, when she asked me if she wanted to come and I, you know, I told her I would, you know, hook her up. She was like, can you just make sure you put me next to a attractive single 40 to 60 year old guy? And I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, I'm like, you're on your own. Like, I can't like, just, I can't. <laughs> Is there, I mean, 
there's got to be like like we always talk about dirty versus uh you know you know what's dirty but isn't there like i think sometimes a lot of comics confuse dirty and shocking and i think they sometimes go for that shock of value and i i i see it a lot specifically in the open mic rooms uh with um traditionally you know like younger men um and they think that that shock is worth the funny um i mean i think that's on the other side is the same idea that 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 wokeness um and you know giving you know like this harsh opinion about society doesn't get you a laugh it gets you a clap do you know what i mean like i, I it's 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 something that i think that that we struggle on both sides and it's it's nice to hear that um, you know, people, you know, like you, Don, that, that, that has been this business that you can say, you know, what, I'm, I'm happy for people that, to get stuff, but as long as you're funny, that's what it, that, that's what it has to be. And I mean, many a times we will see these people that will be getting these sets on television and you're just like, how the hell did you get that based off of your five minutes? And, um, but it's nice to know that there's some people out there that are just like, you know what, let, you know, I'm proud of them, but the ecosystem will take care of them in the long run. Yeah, I think so. And again, like I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan of comedy. I, it's like musicians. If musicians aren't fans of music anymore, then then it, it take it's the same thing. It kind of takes away from the whole thing because you really want to you really want to enjoy what you do. And you, if I'm going to be around comics my whole life, I want to enjoy all the different flavors and stuff that are out there. But I I, met, I do I did a club a few months ago, and you know, and it was a, you know a big lineup, and I was you know, and I closed the night out. Um, and it just, it just seemed to me like every comic went up and they were, okay, I'm, I'm half, my dad's Asian and my mom's Irish, you know, and like that used to be an old comic thing, you know, I'm, I'm half Scottish, half Irish, whatever, I'm all bag, no pipe, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. But these, now it's, there's not even a joke to it. Now it's just the announcement of right. my dad's Indian, my mom is Jewish. And, and it's like, oh my God, yes, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> so I get up there and I'm like, I'm like, uh, all right, the old man, they, they got the old man in here. I'm the Joe Biden of, of the show, <laughs> my diverse cabinet. Uh, but, you know, they brought the old man up to, to close it out because the old man has jokes. <laughs> and it was just a fun night and it was it really was a, a good time. But, um, yeah, it's again, you, you got to do shocking is fine, you know, like or dirty is fine. But, you know, I like. Again, with experience, the more stuff you've written over the years, the more you can, you're not relying on shocking or you're not relying on dirty. You know, if you ask me, if John, you say, hey, I'm going to do an all clean show, you know, I can do that. If you say, you know, I want to, you know, I want to do an all dirty show, I can do that one too. You know, when I do my regular nightclub set, I love to do um, like a really dirty joke and then follow it up with the cleanest, silliest joke. Right. that I have because it keeps the audience guessing. They don't yeah, know where right. I'm going to go, you know, yeah. but you got to have, you got to have the, the time, you know, under your belt to be able to do that, you know? So, um, you know, I love doing stuff like that. I love taking left turns where people just like, 
wait a minute, he just said Freddie Mercury blew him in the dressing room, and now he just told the cleanest, nicest joke Yeah, right after it. You know, well, Don, I want to see it. I, I, you're right. I, we haven't had you in the club in a long time. we got to get I'm you up there on weekend. I'm breaking your balls, man. I it's know, but good. still, like every time that we see each other, like, uh, you know, the last time I saw you, I think it was with, uh, it was with Jim, but, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I want to, let's do a hang. Fucking Greg will be there. We'll just we'll eat some food, have a good time. Speaking well, right of now, I got my book. Uh, all right, good game. What do you want? This I got. I got all weekends available. What would you no, like? Sir? No, look at that guy, sir. I'm, I'm Sounds good. Balls. He's got I'm a pile always, of individual twenties. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm always appreciative of what I get, man. It's, well, we'd love to get you back in so New York, guys. So, but speaking of food that we just talked about, like cause when we when we when you come to the club, Greg and I are always big on the food. What was the best thing that you ate this month? I'm going to give uh, you the money. My, month. my date Saturday night. Oh, I'm over here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm munched on a box. Oh, <laughs> oh those beef flips. I got the keys. <laughs> It's so good because you know him so well. <laughs> That's I, I ate a hairy dungeon. A <laughs> uh, best thing I ever ate on the road? Oh my god. Well, let's, let's take it to this month. I mean, usually we say what's the best thing you had to eat this week, but it's only Monday. Um, you gonna go through the book? Huh? I'm looking in the book. I'll see where I but, uh, we'll go to you, Greg, on this one while, while Don looks at his book. Well, you know, a, cl a club that actually books me sometimes, Caroline's. I had some uh, good food there. Um, <laughs> was your air conditioning working? Was the air conditioning on? Did it work? Was the air conditioning <laughs> working? On that, uh, two of the three nights, the air conditioning worked. Um, <laughs> you, you know night, 19 about? months. Couldn't fix that, Caroline? What the fuck? <laughs> but you have Schumer on your stage. <laughs> You know what's funny about comedy club food is that um, whenever a new club opens, and they are they they roll out the red carpet for you. They're like, "Here's the here's the menu. Anything lobster, whatever you want on here, and all your friends can order." Blah 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 blah. And then you go back six months later, and they just hand you like a, a little scrap of paper. Here, here's the two things you could have: mozzarella sticks and chicken fingers. Um, there's no you got to. You got to pay and there's no, you can't, there's no booze involved and there's no, you know, we don't pay for the hotel room because comics ruined that shit right away. You of know? course. Sherrod <laughs> Small ruined it for everybody in New York City. <laughs> so, you know, when a club first opens, just get, get all the perks out of it you can because the next time you go back, they'll all be gone. Oh, when I when I first when I went to the opening of the stand, oh, I I, I abused the fuck out of that. <laughs> I had everything. I was making a pizza by myself one day. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I walk in, they're just like, uh, no, 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 <laughs> John, you gotta go. I do, I do, I do. I have to get out of here, guys. But, dude, John, let's connect, please. I'd love to see you soon, man. Um. And the Thanks city. Fuck, we'll hang out on the Upper West Side. Guys, I'll leave you guys later. Be well, man.